This episode of Long Story Short is brought to you by V8. What I love about V8 is, first of all, the taste. It tastes delicious. It's a perfect on-the-go snack. It's only 30 calories. V8 has one full serving of vegetables in every five and a half ounce can with no added sugar and only 30 calories. Perfect for me and my daily on-the-go routine. And also, it's just a great after-workout snack. It's full of electrolytes. I make a killer gazpacho with it. And, and I didn't even know that it's so high in potassium. It has as much potassium as a small banana, which is really great. And now, here's the newest episode. Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. My guest today on the podcast is Gretchen Rubin. She is the author of nine books, but the book that I'm sure you guys have heard of and everyone should read is The Happiness Project. If you want to learn how to live a happier life, you must read that book. What I love about Gretchen is she is really down to earth. She's brilliantly smart. She not only went to Yale and Yale Law School, she also clerked for Sandra Day O'Connor. She's married with a couple kids and she is a force. But, but again, she has her feet firmly in the ground and has great advice. Here's my conversation with Gretchen Rubin. You know, research shows that people are more positively inclined to people who have the same name or even the same initial. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I do. I look for people with BB because I get so many gifts that people oh. put initials on oh. and things I don't want. And I'm the biggest regifter. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, my, someone that works for me, I found out her mother is Betsy Barra. And she's just so, like, okay. Yeah, she's she just walking gets around with all package. the BBs. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, knowing the stuff that I get, I can only yeah. imagine oh, what yeah. you get. Yeah. And it's just it's just managing it is not easy. Well, I was literally Insta-storing everything I got. And my girl said, you got to stop. What's Insta-storing? You know, you know, you know, Instagram. Yeah. Well, you know, the little stories that go on top. Oh, right. Yeah. Just because, you know, they they sent me things because oh, they want me to promote sure. it. Oh, so you were trying to be nice. But I of was course trying it to was be nice. Like, and then it was like, oh, that's you're so right. Yeah. It's like, don't encourage it's, the behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Rolling. Okay. okay. Uh oh. I mean, continue All right. conversation. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Hey, All Gretch, right. how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I just met you and I already called you Gretch. I, didn't, think... I didn't mean that. Do people call you Gretch? <laughs> my sister calls okay. me Gretch. Yes. Someone yes. very dear to me who works on my team's name is Gretchen, who I call Gretch. Oh, you know, I don't know that many yeah. Gretchens. Okay, Actually, tell today, her I say hello. Yes, because... that's Gretchen Berra. She is the granddaughter of the famous Yogi Berra. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And Fantastic. I'm also interviewing Gretchen Mole today. So it's a three Gretchen day. That which, is rare. Right? I, have never, I myself have never seen more than one Gretchen in a day. So and um, it's a lucky day. Did you like your name when you were young? You know, when I was really young, I didn't like it that much because it, it's one of these names, which I think at least to Americans is somewhat familiar, but also unusual. And right. it's kind of slightly foreign, like Heidi right. or Ingrid. Yeah. Um, now I really like it because especially as um, you know, social media and, and things. It's a name that Gretchen Rubin is an unusual right. combination. It's not, it's not, I'm not often confused. I have a friend who has a name, um, Sarah Smith, 
And it's just like it's a, it's it's hard because there's just such a common name. So now now I really like it. Uh, and so let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. That's where I was born. And I spent, you know, until I went to college, I lived in Kansas City, Missouri. And how was your childhood in Kansas City? It was great. I have two excellent parents. I have a sister that I'm super close to who's five years younger. We had a dog. We had a yard. Um, so really normal American. Very, very kind of classic yeah. suburban and- Lovely childhood. What did your parents do? My father's lawyer and my mother uh, was a homemaker and but very involved in a lot of civic things. So Mm -hmm. she had a lot of activities and a lot of leadership roles. I could actually repeat the same thing you said. Just make it three kids and the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, okay. My father was a lawyer. My mother a homemaker. Yeah. Yeah, Well, in Chicago, I feel like it's very similar to Kansas City vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the suburbs of Chicago. But you have those really cool ribs, that really famous barbecue place. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's Arthur's Uh uh, and then there's... There's gates and there's there's a lot of barbecue. Yeah. yeah. And then um, when did you leave Kansas for college? Actually, Missouri, because okay. we lived right on state line. And I okay. mean, literally, I grew up on state okay, line. Gotcha. But it's like one of these weird things about yeah. Kansas City where it's super important if you're from. Surrey OK, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I went away to college. I went to Yale for college. So um, and um, now I go back all the time. But I, I don't live, I haven't lived there since. I mean, how cool that you went to Yale. Yeah, it really was. It's yeah, great. really great cool. Place. And I went to law school there, too. So I feel a real connection to you. So you are um, incredibly smart, incredibly. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sorry. You went to Yale and you went to Yale Law School. All right, let's just get that. I majored in makeup. Okay. Uh, well, it, it, this is, it seems to have been a good yeah. decision, a very yeah. smart decision. Yeah, it was a lucky decision. So you also, your first job out of law school. Um. I was a a clerk, so which is a very typical thing for somebody to do at law school. So I clerked on the Second Circuit, which is the Federal Court of Appeals in New York City uh, for a judge named Pierre Laval. And then I clerked uh, for Justice O'Connor on the Supreme Court. And so how long did you work with just with uh, O'Connor? Well, um, clerkships are very structured and typically they're one year. It's very unusual to do like a two year clerkship. So I did the standard one year clerkship. That's how it's, it's set up. Um, for the for judges and justices. And did you know at, at the time what an icon she would become? Yes. You did. Yes, you yes. did. There's this great story. So Justice O'Connor um, loves birthdays. She's a very warm person, and she always made a big fuss over everybody's birthday. And so the year before I was clerking, um, as a gift to her on her birthday, the clerks had given her, like, the birthday book. You know, you see these, they're like, they have famous things in history and your birthstone and your astro- astrological sign, just kind of a compendium of birthday information. And so... At every birthday in the that we would celebrate in our chambers, um, she would say, like, open up the birthday book and, like, read something from it. And so when it was finally her birthday, she said, OK, well, tell us who famous was born on my birthday. And I opened up the book and I said, it's you, Justice, Aww. and held it up. And it was a giant picture of her. Um, and she kind of got a weird look on her face. Aww. I think it's weird to realize you're the famous person right. who was born on your birthday. Um uh, so, yeah, it was very clear that she had this, like, very special place in American history. And when you're clerking for someone, what what's what are your duties? Um, they receive enormous amounts of just paperwork of people who want their, uh, their um, petitions, their cert petitions reviewed by the court and, and heard by the court. So we would help manage that. We would write memos on legal issues. Um, did you get her lunch or any of that kind of stuff? Uh, no, it... funnily enough, she got us lunch. If she we worked did. on the weekend, this is something Justice O'Connor was famous for. She would bring it. She would cook something at home and bring it Aww. home, for, bring it into the chambers for us if we had to work on a, on the weekend. Uh, that's so that's so yeah. cool. Do you 
you still keep in touch with her? Yeah, I just saw her actually recently. Uh. I went to Arizona. You know, it's very sad. She's, as she said, she's suffering from dementia. And I think it's terrific that she's been very upfront about that. Her whole family's been very upfront about what Mr. Mm O'Connor went through. Um, Because I think it's, this is something that is just a really big issue that a lot of families are are facing. So I think it's great that she's trying to help people talk about it right and, um, so i saw her and she's still justice o'connor she is so she is. did you have i mean could you tell that she was different i could tell that she was yeah. different i went with two co-clerks and okay. that was great because then we had a real real conversation right. um but what was what was interesting was how like she didn't remember a lot of things but she knew exactly who we were and that she didn't know that i was gretchen but she right. knew that i was a clerk of hers and what that meant and that i was important to her right and she was happy to see me. Mm. And she still had her same sense of humor, her same. She's kind of, um, she tells it like it is, you know, <laughs> and she still had that. Um, she still laughed at the same things. Um, so she was still herself. So I'm really glad I saw that's her. That's so neat. Did you get pictures and everything? I did. Cool. When, when I had to be careful because just so kind of, that's the kind of thing that she can get really annoyed by. Her whole life, it's sort of like, like, let's make this fast. She's an impatient uh, person. So, yeah. yeah, but we got pictures. Oh, that's great. so cool. That's yeah. so magical. It really yeah. was. I'm really glad we got to go. And are you ever in a bad mood? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't I don't feel like I have to be happy all the time. Because I, it's kind of weird for me to even realize I'm sitting here with you because I've read your book. I've seen your name. You know, yeah. I, I see Gretchen Rubin. I never saw what you look like. I never oh, saw your picture. It's weird, isn't it? And I thought you'd be brunette. Ah. And I thought you'd be Jewish. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, um, clearly yeah, I have you a married. Jewish last name. Okay, yeah. you married someone. And so I'm like, all right, I'm trying to just put it all together. <laughs> yeah, you have the other... Like, right, I just thought you'd be very emotional. And you're not. You're very, like, straightforward and happy and ah. upbeat. So how did this um, happiness project come into be? Well, I, it started out just as a personal project. I didn't think when I started it, I didn't think of it as being a book. Um, so I was finishing up a, a book called 40 Ways to Look at when, uh, for, uh, at JFK. Um, what, you were reading it or writing it? I was writing it. Writing, writing, writing a book okay. called uh, 40 Ways to Look at JFK. And um, at the end of a book, um, there's kind of a time where you're not researching and writing intensely, and yet the book has not yet come out. And so there's sort of this open period, at least for me, where I'm kind of, my mind is kind of at loose ends. And so, um, cause usually I'm either researching or writing or I'm promoting a book. And, um, and I was stuck on a crowded city bus. Like I was on the 17, 79th street crosstown bus in the rain. And I got stuck in, you know, it was going so slowly. And I was looking out the window and I thought, what do I want from life anyway? You know, one of these, mm-hmm. you don't rarely have the, you rarely have those right. moments of reflection. And were you married at the time? Oh yeah, I was married. I had two kids. Okay. Like I had a great life. Um, I have a great life. And I thought, you know, I never asked myself, am I happy? Could I be happier? What is happiness? Can you make yourself happier? And I thought, I should have a happiness project. And I instantly was like, yes, I should have a happiness project. That was, that was the phrase I thought. And I ran out to the library the next day, got a giant stack of books about happiness. What is the science, the research, memoirs, philosophy. Um, and I often will become obsessed with things. And like I was just went through this whole obsession with color. Um, and I will spend all this time researching it. And sometimes nothing comes of it. It's just sort of fun for me. But this, it, I was so interested and just kept doing more and more and more work and research and taking notes that finally I thought, wow, you know, maybe this should be my next book because it seems big enough. And in fact, it's so big that I've basically been writing about happiness and human nature uh, ever since. That's so cool. Have yeah. you ever seen the documentary Happy? 
Uh, I think so. I've seen several documentaries right. about There's it. There's one sure. called Happy that really explores all the different ways that people think they're happy. You know, uh. buying things and uh. the nice car and the nice job. Uh. And they, you know, they, they also studied like some tribe in some ro- remote place in Africa. And those were the happy people because mm. they had community. It was mm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. You should definitely, you okay. know, check good, that good, one good, out. Good. Yeah. yeah, there's been a lot of like documentary work on it, it seems like lately. Well, don't yeah. you think some people are born happy and yeah. other people will never be happy no well, matter what? it's interesting that you say that because what the research says is that about 50% of happiness is genetically determined. So like you say, some people are born Eeyores, some people are born Tiggers, and Wait. you see that. Yeah. Um, then about 10 to 20% is something called life circumstance. So that's like... Work, health, marital status, income, um, location, things like that. Then the rest is very much within our conscious thoughts and actions. Um, that's the part that we can really control. Well, I, I know this firsthand from my father. Who uh, my dad went through, he lost his wife and he was really just having a really tough time. And he woke up one day and he just said, I have a choice uh-huh. and I'm just going to be happy. Right. And I'm just, people don't want to be around me if I'm not happy. I'm just going to be happy. Right. I, I don't think it's the easiest thing for people to do. Well, it's funny that you said that because people very often will say to me, happiness is a choice. And to me, that doesn't really ring true. Like your father had this very deep, profound experience. I don't really get that. Like I don't, to me, it doesn't feel like happiness is the choice. I think of it more like I can choose to go to bed on time. I can choose to exercise. I can choose to make plans with my friends. I can choose to make time for a book that I love. I can make. I can choose to stop reading a book that's boring me. I can choose to volunteer. And from those choices, I become happier. But I don't feel like I could just choose happiness. But so many people say that. It must be a framework that really strikes a chord with a lot of people. It just doesn't for me. Do you? Well, you know, I I think I learned early on, you know, I was a working makeup artist in New York and I'd get invited to all these things in the evening. And all I really wanted to do was go home and be with my kids and my husband in the suburbs. And and I realized one day I'm very visual. Like Uh, you do the research. I just think and I, you know, I just started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be home in my bathrobe in front of the TV with my kids playing with some plastic toys than have high heel shoes, yeah. get a blowout, worried about, you know, how I'm going to look and yeah. be at some event. Yeah. And I and I chose happiness yeah. without realizing it. Yeah. It's great when that's clear. I feel like the problem is, it's like sometimes we're sort of split when you're like, part of me desperately wants to go to the party and part of me desperately wants to be home. And so then do I split up my time like how do I that's when you get into decision fatigue which is it's hard sometimes it's hard to make decisions sometimes it's an apple and an orange um so it's great that you had the clarity that once you examined what you really wanted you knew what was the happier choice right I mean I once had to decide between doing Nicole Kidman's makeup on Saturday Night Live or going to Gino Goldberg's 40th birthday party I think you picked the birthday party birthday party I did yeah, I, I always, I always did. You know, I always yeah. had these two lives yeah. that were like, yes, and I still Parallel. have these two yes. lives, which are so funny. And I yeah. always, and you know, I'm married thirty years. How many years you married? Twenty four. Okay, you know, you're right behind me. I just, you know, having a happy marriage. I yeah. know first Huge. of all is the number one thing. If, yeah. if my husband and I are fighting, yeah, I can't. I, there's nothing I could do to make myself happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that clarity that really is helpful. One thing I sometimes ask myself, like if I'm, if I'm faced with like a question like you're facing, because sometimes you can get into these pros and cons and should I think about this and what about that? 
as I say, choose the bigger life. Right. Because the bigger life isn't always the easier life or the or like the kind of more satisfying life in the moment. But usually when I like we were debating about whether or not to get a dog and I had such a long cons list. But I knew from the research and from my children who desperately wanted a dog that like most people who have a dog report that it boosts their happiness. I couldn't decide. I hate errands. I hate work. I was like, oh, well, I just didn't want to deal with it. And then I thought, well, choose the bigger life. What is the bigger life? And you can see that for some people, a bigger life would be not having a dog. It'd be freedom. You'd have more money to spend on other things. You could travel. I'm like, but but for us, the bigger life is having a dog. So I got so we got the dog, and of course, I'm thrilled we got a dog. It's but, so funny. We are we could not be more opposite. I don't even examine what could go wrong. I'm just like, I really want the dog. I get the dog, and then you deal with. I have to take it out. But see, I, I didn't want a dog. Yeah. See, I didn't want the dog. What kind of dog did you get? We got a cockapoo. Uh huh. Named Barnaby. Oh, cool. And your yeah. kids? Who takes care of the dog? Everybody does. Everybody kind of like I do the first morning walk. My daughter does the last morning. Walk. You know, we have all these like, you know, it, it all worked out. I it also live out. in the suburbs and have a fenced in backyard. So it's really easy. Just open yeah, the back see, door. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what I had growing up. Yeah. I had a schnauzer growing up. And yeah, you just. I had a schnauzer yeah. growing up. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Separated what was your birth. dog's name? Um, Katie. Oh. I had a Katie and a Shaney, two different ones. We had Paddywhack from Knickknack Paddywhack. Uh, my, my, my sister. My, uh, Elizabeth named the dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're, you have kids? They're I boys or girls? I have two girls. Okay. One is 19 and she's a sophomore in college and one is a 13-year-old eighth grader. Okay. Two girls, yeah. And are they happy? They are happy. And how do you deal with the teenage angst years? So I read this book it, for parenting advice. I think the best parenting advice I ever got and that I use every single day with, with children and adults, and but especially with teenagers, um, comes from a book about dealing with really little kids, all-time best parenting book called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Huh. I've read this book like five times. It's it's charming, it's easy to read, and it's invaluable. And the thing that that they talk about, which is so important, is accept the reality of other people's feelings. Because with a teenager, you want to say, um, of course you're going to have fun. Of course she's your friend. Um, that teacher knows what he's doing. Um, you know, uh, you'll feel better if you go to sleep now. You'll feel better if you get it crossed off your list. And what I realized is like, you're telling people they don't feel the way they feel. And you just have to say like, wow, it's really frustrating when you feel like you've planned out your whole week and then the teacher springs this extra assignment on you in the last minute. It's like, it's not that hard to do and it actually makes a huge difference. I think especially teenagers, they have these very strong opinions and if you just tell them you don't feel the way you feel, they get so irate. And when you just say, gosh, you know, we just ate dinner. I don't understand why you'd be still, you'd still be hungry, but Okay, if you're hungry, you're hungry, you know, or whatever it might be. So that you'd was... be a great shrink. Oh, <laughs> I think you would be a really great shrink. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So um, you have walked arm in arm with the Dalai Lama. Yes. Just throwing that out there. Yes. Okay. You don't crazy. seem like a, na a name dropper, but I do yeah. have to ask you, what was the Dalai Lama like? Okay. He is. He's pretty frail, which I he has kind of this area era uh, this aura of kind of agelessness and kind of vitality, which he has. But then he was also pretty frail. He's got a crazy sense of humor. Um, I saw and uh, it kind of pokes fun at people and sort of sees the absurd. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a Buddhist thing. He sort of sees mm -hmm. saw the absurdity. And just um, very open to everything that's happening. Like, you don't realize how much people are kind of managing things. And he just is like, yeah, whatever. And sort of like lets everybody else manage what's happening. And, and of course, he's highly managed. Like, he's got teams of people around him. And he's just like, 
okay, whatever you say. And where were you when you met him? I was in Australia. There's a big conference um, every year in Sydney. Or is it every year? It might be every two years. I don't know. Uh, a big happiness conference. And we were we were there. Yeah. That's so I'd cool. never been to Australia before, too. So that was fun. And and did you, like, feel his aura when you were with him? Or was he just a guy? I'm not a person who feels the aura, particularly. Mm -hmm. I think some people really get hit by an aura, and I don't really get hit that. It's more like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's actually you standing in front of me. It's kind of it's sort of funny when you see people who are super famous and you in got person. A, and you got a picture. Oh, I didn't on. get a really good picture. It doesn't matter. I know. You got a picture I, yeah, somehow. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's yeah. amazing. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and and the other guru, Oprah. Yes. What's your relationship to Oprah? How many times have you been with her? I've been with her like three times. Um, and she's again, it's sort of like it's sort of weird because you're just like, wow, you you are so much exactly like Oprah because uh, you are. Oprah. You, yeah. 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 I, I was a guest on her show probably a yeah. dozen times. So yeah. Oh, my God. I, I think well, so, you know her very yeah, much she's better. Awesome. She's so focused on the other yeah. person. And she's really funny. She's, and yeah, she once came into my dressing room. She goes, I don't know how you do everything you do. And I looked at her. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. She's like, yeah, but you have kids. I just, you have kids. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. She's like, I can't imagine doing what, being high profile and doing what you do and having kids. I said, well, it kind of helps you things. Know, you know, it's so interesting that you said that because she said something to me. Like I said, oh, somehow we got to talking, not on the interview, but later, um, and I said that I can't listen. I don't really like music. I can't really listen to music. And she's like, I can't like me too. And I was like, I think, and I, re I read Gertrude Stein or somebody said, I like to read too much. That's why I can't listen to music. Really? Of course, she said it in a Gertrude Stein way. And Oprah's like, I really need to think about that. And I was like, I taught something to Oprah. Same thing with uh, her. And she's like, I respect right. you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've earned the respect of Oprah. So maybe that's kind of the what, part of her magic is that she's always learning from somebody or thinking about someone else's example, so which is hard who, to do. And who else have you met in those pinch me moments, which is like, oh my God. Um, I've met Barack Obama. I've met, met Bill Clinton. Um, who else have I met? I, uh, gosh, now I'm blanking out. I have no idea. Oh, Drew Barrymore. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And, and when you have these like out of body experiences with all these cool things, like when I have them, especially when it's business, I always look up and I see Papa Sam. Do you have mm. someone that you kind of be like, oh my God, look at me. It's, it's just Gretchen and look what I'm. No, you don't. No, I don't have that feeling at all. Really? That's so interesting. I'm, I'm, it never even occurred to me to have well, that feeling. I don't know Maybe now I will. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's the imposter syndrome, but it's like sometimes I realize, you know, I was just this suburban kid. I didn't yeah. go to Yale. Yeah. You know, I was just this yeah. kid and I've had the most extraordinary experiences based on doing makeup. I mean, I was, you know, I did the Bidens for the inauguration. Yeah. I was in the motorcade twice. Right. I mean, like weird things like that. Yeah, like, where it's what? just sort of super glamorous, yeah. super or just kind of different. iconic, or, historic. Yeah, yeah, just different, you know, that hopefully I'll re if I ever write a memoir, I'll remember yeah. them all. Yeah. But uh, you don't have those moments where you're like, I don't wow. think I've had such glamorous times. You, oh, come on. You've <laughs> held hands with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. You, um, I remember that very clearly. Yes. And at the time, I was just so worried about like... You, you, like he was actually needed me to help him move. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot let the Dalai Lama trip, Aww. you know. So I was like not even really experiencing. I was just like so focused on like keeping him moving. Um, and uh, and I found I found another similarity. We've oh. both been uh, questions on Jeopardy. Yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah. And that's because cool. you don't know what's happening. No, right? people Someone tell calls you. you and they're like, oh. yeah, no, it's super cool. Yeah. Yes. No, that was what I was felt, your question. Uh, it was. um 
author Gretchen Rubin devoted a year of her life to this project and it was Happiness Project. So I wasn't the answer. I was the question. You were the question. What about you? What was yours? Um, it was twice. Once, once was a celebrity Jeopardy and I don't remember what the question was, but the other time was what famous makeup artist has the same name as Whitney Houston's husband? Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, that good. was, yeah. I mean, my phone started ringing. That's how I knew it actually. That's so fun. It actually happened. That's fun. And, now, have you ever been in a crossword puzzle? I have not. Have oh, you? No, I have not. Ah. No, no. What other weird moments have you, like, experienced? Uh, well, the Happiness Project um, was in it. And again, you don't know it until people start contacting yeah. you. So um, Big Little Lies, it made a cameo in, ah. the, very, like, in the very end of the pilot. Um, it's on the, it's on the um, side table of one of the main characters. And recently in Orange is the New Black, they wow. were talking about it. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so cool. Kind, I think it's sometimes used in sort of an ironic commentary right. way, but I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can use it however you want. Okay. So it's fun to see it enter into the mainstream. Like yeah. That. Or like people have, um, I've been um, kind of, I've had like in larger book reviews or essays, people will kind of make a drive-by reference to it who clearly have not read the book and are just assuming that they know what it is and dismiss it. But I'm sort of like, if I'm just like the, the kind of shorthand for a certain kind of thing, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I've decided not to be annoyed by what I think are mischaracterizations of my work and just be excited that I'm getting mentioned at all. <laughs> and how's, how's the support of your kids? Like, when did they realize, oh, my God, this is my mom. This is what she does. And how cool is that? Well, I don't know about you, but my kids are not that interested in what my, I do. I mean, they're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And they get a big kick out of certain things. But um, like and I produce so much material like uh Somebody was very shocked when I said that my husband doesn't read any of my books. He just gets, it just gives him the heebie. My husband won't listen or read yeah, any no, no, of my yeah, articles. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, that's no. right. Because I think it gives you kind of the heebie-jeebies. Right. It's like if it's somebody really close to you, right. I think it makes them, it gives them a weird feeling. I think there's an eye roll involved too when I say, show my husband something. He's like, really? Another one? You see, that's the thing. There's so yeah. much. You're yeah. like, you know, he wants to listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to listen to that. Um, and so, and but it's it's interesting what they will key into at what time, yeah. And they are in it, um, and so so that's something that I have to think about too because I do write about them sometimes, and they'll contribute sometimes. Like I wanted to do, um, they've both been guests on my podcast. I have the Happier podcast right. that I do with my sister, and they've both been on. Um, but like I thought, oh, it'd be fun. You know, people love gift guides. I thought, well, it's so hard to buy gifts for kind of. It's easier to buy gifts. It's easier to buy gifts for adults and children than it is for sort of mid. So I was like. I'll ask Eliza and Eleanor what are what gifts would they recommend. So then I wrote a whole blog post and put it on social media. Like, this is what my kids recommend. Um, but I had to say to them, would you feel comfortable doing yeah. that? I mean, not that it's so personal, but, you know, it's their name out there. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Well, you know, I just remembered that when I, 30 years ago, I got married I, and we had to pick a song to walk down the mm. aisle. And I picked Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh, really? You did? Farron, yeah. Oh, well, it must have yeah. been a new song around then, right? Um, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that is the walk-on song. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's uh, the happy song. Yeah, happiness has always been something. I mean, I'm just naturally a happy person. Yeah, you seem very happy. You, know? you have a very happy energy. Yeah, and my favorite, it's, I don't even know who the person that said this quote, but I say it all the time. Happiness is the best cosmetic for beauty. <gasps> ah. It's, you know, I didn't yes. make it up, but I say it all the time. And yes. it's true. Well, so let me ask you this. So one of the things about happiness is it's very contagious and people mm -hmm. really pick up moods from each right. other. So I bet in your profession, like people are kind of almost drawing on you. Like it's almost like you're the battery in there because they're probably going into like stressful situations or where it's really important that they look their best or whatever. 
Do you ever feel drained? Like, do you come out of it and you feel like doing the makeup was the easy part and the hard part was just managing the person's anxiety or stress or? Well, I'm constantly drained because a lot of things I do, whether it was fashion week and yeah. there was, you well, know, of course, 30, right. 60 models yes, yes. and, you and know, all that energy and strain. It, it's, it's a lot, but I learned, I really learned how to like take a minute, let it all go and then how to fuel myself back So up. how do you feel? I think that, how water, do you do that? Making sure I drink enough water. Okay. And I, but then you've got to go to the bathroom. That's the thing is I'm always like, Oh, Where's the ladies' room? Can I get there? Well, and so you go. To, so you go to the bathroom. You know that's okay. But I found that that, that, in. that helped my energy because uh -huh. I, you know otherwise you get drained. Yes. And I also realized certain foods made me exhausted, and Ooh. so that really took away from uh -huh. feeling my best. So, so you I stopped really eating keyed them. into kind of your physical experience yes. and how to manage your body so mm -hmm. that it was part of the, the right the fuel and even though i spent most of my career you know putting makeup on people's faces and being the beauty expert i am now a health coach right so i went back to school and got that and and i realized that food does really make yes. a big difference yes in happiness well i'm one of these crazy low carb people that you read about so. what's wrong with that no i That's love good. it i love it no no and, the, and when people say what book changed your life i'm like why we get fat by gary uh, tobbs like uh, changed my life overnight it, and my father's life as well so when you go on vacations you know exotic vacations do you ever just say, okay, Gretchen, let go. Okay. So this is the thing. In my book, Better Than Before, which is all about habit formation, I talk a lot about like being an abstainer, which is someone like me that gives somebody up altogether. Being a moderator, which is people who like to have a little bit or something sometimes. How you can be an abstainer and then how you have a planned exception. So if you go on vacation, you have a special meal or everything. And so I'm not saying that everybody would want to do what I do. I think almost nobody does what I do, which is I just don't make exceptions. You're For so me, controlled. No, but, it, but to me, it feels free. It feels yeah. freer. Yeah. And I write about this in Better Than Before because I think some people don't realize that you can feel, if you feel like you're being yanked around by your sweet tooth or it's constantly on your mind, one, two, now, later, can I have another? I'm going to be so good tomorrow. I was so good yesterday. All that stuff. I find that so boring and tiring. And I'm like, I can just never have it. I can never eat candy. And then when Halloween comes and there's a bowl with, you know, bite-sized Snickers for free, I can just feel like I don't eat it and I don't even have to think about it because I don't eat sugar. And so that makes me feel free. I don't feel disciplined. I feel free. And I feel like as if I started making exceptions, I would feel less free. So for me, just not eating it. Like I might have a bite. Like let's say, you know, you go to a weird, an ice cream store that has like a weird flavor and you're like, what is that? What does cream corn ice cream taste like? I'd have a bite of that because I'm like, I just want to know what that tastes like. But I wouldn't have like, oh, it's my birthday. So I'm going to have a piece of cake or, oh, it's our anniversary. Oh, I'm, so I'm, I'm in Paris. Split. I'm going to have some of that French bread. No, no. Well, I, I absolutely have the French bread in but Paris. Most people do. Yeah. Most people right. do. I'm not saying it's kind of my hobby. Everybody needs yeah. a hobby. Right. My hobby is eating low it's, carb. <laughs> well, I eat low carb too. But I, you plan an exception. I plan an exception or I, or I make an exception. Yes. And, and I realize when I'm making too many obsessions yes. and I can't button my pants. Right. Yes. I mean, so right. I, I'm constantly, but for me, it's more like Pavlov's dog. You know, where I'm like, all right, I look at a big bowl of something or a bagel and I say, I'm not going to eat that because I remember how right. bad I felt last time I ate that. Right. So I don't even, I, Halloween, I don't touch it. Yeah. Don't even touch it. Well, it's funny. It was funny. That was what was interesting about writing better than before is that it just made me realize how there is no one best way to 
manage eating. There's no one best way to stop procrastinating. There's no one best way to get more sleep. It's like, it's so much of it. You really have to think about yourself because what works for you wouldn't work for me. And that's fine. It's not like you have to convince me to you do it your way. And I don't have to convince you that I'm actually right. Right. We could just both be like, it's yeah. interesting. You, what you've done works great for you. So don't change it. Right. Don't change it just because I have some like impassioned belief in what I do. It's like, yeah, okay, well, good for you. You know, and, but I think sometimes people can experiment. If they're not succeeding doing your kind of philosophy, well, they could try mine and maybe that would suit them better. And how many books have you written? My ninth book is coming out uh, in March 2019. And then I've written three terrible novels that will never see the light of day. They are locked really? away in a desk. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? When's the last time you wrote oh, them? Oh, they're bad. Yeah. I'm not, a, bad? I'm, not, I'm not a good fiction <laughs> writer, but they were fun to write. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't make me sad. <laughs> okay, well, how many how many books on the New York Times bestseller? Four. Four. And but happen- who's counting? Me. Right, yes. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. I think I've had one or two. So you every, had, I, I've been... had nine books also. And oh, I don't, you have. And yeah, I don't know right. how to type. Yeah? I don't know how to type. So how do you do it? Um, I write a lot by hand. You do? I, I am really lucky because I've had a driver and I've commuted. Yeah. So I just write everything by hand or I talk to the, you know, uh, like the writer. Yeah. And I, we talk about it. She writes it. She sends it to me. I take a pencil and I redo it. Yeah. And someone on my team, you know, will, will correct it. And I think a lot of people like to speak it. Yeah. Better than like write it. Um, yeah, no, I I'm couldn't really do good. that. I'm but I think with... a lot of Mark Duplass, I interviewed Mark Duplass on the Happier podcast and he talks it all out. Oh, I'm really good with a pen or a pencil. And yeah. it's got to be yellow lined paper, though. I'm, it has to be yellow lined paper. Well, you are very visual. I am. Oh, I am. And is that because it's like superstition and like this, no, I wrote this no. way and hit it number? Just, it just works. And is I also it? find that, you know, I'm self-diagnosed um, ADD. Uh-huh. I'm also self-diagnosed OCD. That's a whole nother. Okay. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, good. But, but I find that I do really well in movement. So in a car, oh, a train, oh, a bus. Yes. Oh, interesting. My, my brain is open and really early in the morning. But not a plane, I bet, because in a plane you feel stationary. Oh, no, my a plane I could do great, too. Really? Yeah. Now, do you think yeah. it's because you're this kind of you're in, you're kind of suspended between between two places? Well, and so I, it kind I of actu- frees you? Well, or I it's actually like- bought a book on adult ADD. And yeah. typical, if you have an adult ADD, you can't read the friggin' book. But right. I skimmed it, and I did find a part of the book that said movement helps the brain like clear for people that have adult ADD. Interesting. So yes. Yeah. That is and so you must not get carsick. I would get no, carsick. I don't get doing carsick. That. Are okay. you kidding? I would be in trouble. Okay, yeah. I got so how much work did we get done today in the car? A ton. There you go. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Again, so, like I get really carsick. So right. I couldn't do that. But that's yeah. that's that's really interesting. Um yeah, I think a lot about a lot of with happiness generally, it's about what works for you? What kind of person are you? When have you succeeded in the past? Because I think sometimes people believe that there's one best way. And if I just do what this person says or I do what Steve Jobs did, it's going to work for me. It's like you can work in a car. I can never work in a car. But it's not that it's not like, well, which is the better way? It's no. like there's the better way for Bobby and right. there's the better way for Gretchen. You know, I like to sit in a library like in the stacks all by myself. A lot of people would want to do that, you know, so. I don't remember the last time I went to the library. Honestly, it's a I went to the library yesterday. Oh, really? Yes. The New York Public Library? Now, I go to a little library, like a historic subscription library that's just a block from my house called the New York Society Library. And if you live in New York City, you should definitely know about New York Society Library. It's a wonderful, um, it's older than the United States. And if I want to know something, I go on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, or I Google it or I find out. Yeah. 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 
That's yeah. so cool. I just honestly, I read on vacation. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Yeah, that's really it. And the two books that I'm bringing with me is Michelle Obama's oh, memoir okay. yeah. and uh, Steve Jobs' daughter. <gasps> I heard that's yeah. really good. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody saying that um, it was really good. And the third book, I'll, I'll admit, it, it's uh, Anthony Williams' new book. He's he's a health and wellness medium, and he talks all about having celery juice on an empty stomach gets rid of every digestive issue, like all these things. So I want to read that book. Huh. And I have a, I have a goal to drink celery juice for a month and see if it's going to make a difference. Okay, well, experiment. See Except you see. have to do it first thing in the morning. And I drink coffee first thing in the morning. That's my habit. Uh huh. So I have to figure out how I'm going to change my habit. Because I think if you have an idea you want to do something, unless it's really a lifestyle change, you're not going to do it. Uh, so I have to figure that out. Well, that's what Better Than Before is all about. It's like, how do you, how might you go about it if yeah. you wanted to change a habit? Because okay, you're so, right, they're very so strong. So how would I go about it? Because it's going to take time to make celery juice, okay? okay not, well, part of it is you could just get rid of the coffee in your house. So now you can't have oh, coffee. Oh, no, no, I'm not giving up coffee. I oh. will have coffee after. Okay. I have, ex- I have a double espresso. I won't give up. Okay, well, then just say, I can't have my double espresso. This is pairing. This is called yeah. the strategy of pairing. So the strategy of pairing is when two things go together. It's not that one is a reward because rewards are really, really dangerous when it comes to habit formation, but that they only happen together. So you can't have coffee until you've had celery juice. But how do I get that in my head where I remember that? Maybe put the celery juice in front of the coffee or like, do you I have to make it co- in the morning? You can't make it the night before. That's the other pain in the neck. How, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't like, you can't just like, buy. I guess I'm, I'm thinking back to the grocery no. store. I've never you, seen a right. jar of... You have to literally how, make how it. How long does it take? It takes five minutes to make and probably okay. 10 minutes to clean it up. But how do you make your coffee? Um, I have an espresso. I press a button. I think you just have to yeah. say, I'm not going to press that button until the celery yeah. juice is there. It's I got to work on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's maybe that'll be and have it all ready the night before, so you don't have to clean it. You don't have to. I don't know if you cut it up or you know. I don't either. I haven't started yet, but it's on my list. Okay, it's on my list. Okay. So what else is in your like agenda, mind, dreams of something else you haven't done that you really want to do? Well, I haven't done TV, and I think that would be really fun. Um, And there's uh, years ago when the Happiness Project came out, there was sort of an idea to make it into a TV show, and um, we. Got fairly far down that road. And then there was like a big upheaval uh, at a network. And so they were like, okay, that's it. Everything that's been in the pipeline, we're wiping away. New broom. So, okay. And you can't take it personally. It's just like, that's the way it is. My sister works in TV. So I'm very familiar with kind of the heartbreak of TV. Um, but now I'm thinking like, oh, what about a TV show? That I mean, a, a talk show like type format. Because um, TV is changing so much. Like everything's We'll just film coming. your podcast and then start putting it on. I could. I yeah. absolutely could. No, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like you could just put, do it yourself. I mean, I do an Ask, Face, uh, Ask Gretchen Rubin Live on Facebook once a week, which is just like me talking to, right. you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that you could do. Um, I would like to do it in a big, splashy way. But um, you're right. I, if, if I decided that I just desperately wanted to do it. Um, well, maybe someone's listening YouTube. now. That's right. Yes. That maybe would be some, some, that would be tons of fun. Yeah. And, and that's if, something I, but that's kind of the new frontier, the next frontier yeah. of engagement. Yeah. So Gretchen, now that we've talked for a while, what are the four tendencies you think I have? Okay. Give it to me. So just to set the scene, there's upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. 
Um, and it has to do with how you meet expectations, outer expectations like a work deadline and inner expectations like keeping a New Year's resolution. So upholders readily keep outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline, keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do it if they think it makes sense. So they don't like anything arbitrary or inefficient, unjustified. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So like they would never miss a class that they're taking with a friend, but they can't go running on their own. And then rebels, they want to do what they want to do. They, they resist outer and inner expectations. They can do anything they choose to do, but if you ask or tell them to do something, they're likely to resist. Can I be all four? <laughs> I don't, well, that's if you <laughs> yeah. think you're all four, that's a tip off. Okay, okay. Do you feel like you're all four? Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Um, I think it's annoying. I Why? Think, because I spend most of my time trying to be better. Uh -huh. I think just to say oh, this year I'm going to do this. Okay. I think it's just cliche. Okay. I think you are a questioner. Hmm. So questioners are people that always want to know why. Why do I need to do something? If it do, if it makes sense, I will do it. No problem. If it doesn't make sense, why would I do it? I'm not going to do something just because somebody tells me to do it. I'm not going to like a sign says no parking, but there's like, a you know, nobody's around or it's the middle of the night. I'm going to park there. Yeah, sounds, yeah. sounds Does true. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay, questioner. Yeah. Well, that's the second biggest category, so it's okay. not surprising that you would be a questioner. Yeah. My husband's a questioner, so I have ah. very fond feelings about <laughs> questioners. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And what are you? I'm an upholder, which is the second smallest tendency. Rebel is the smallest tendency, and then upholder is only slightly bigger. So that's a pretty, it's kind of an extreme fringe personality type. And I should say there's a quiz. If you go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz, there's a very short free quiz. I think 1.7 million people have taken this quiz, so wow. you can see what you are. But a lot of times people know what they are just from a brief description. Just like you, you were like, eh. But know. why wouldn't I be a rebel? I'm such a rebel. Well, are you really, though? Do, if somebody asks you to do something, if somebody asks you to do something, are you more likely to think, no, you're not the boss of me? Or are you more likely to think, why, why should I? Uh, I guess I would make my decision when it comes. Uh-huh. Because that's probably I don't the most, know. makes the most yeah. sense, right? right whatever. All right. Makes do you sense. ever, um, do people, have people ever asked, told you that you asked too many questions, like when you were at school? Only Mrs. Greenblatt. Okay. Yeah. 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 Only Mrs. Green. Mrs. Greenblatt, if you see me here now. Yeah. Yes. I know you didn't call on me because I asked too many questions. Yeah, see, but that's, that's well, a question. I, I somehow made it without you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. Um, rebels usually have, like, they have a really strong spirit of resistance. Um, that doesn't mean they can't be super, super successful because they can be wildly successful, but they, it start you start to they 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 have a very strong you're not the boss of me you can't tell me what to do yeah I guess I'm not that person yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I or also like just like oh you're you work extensively with a, in a lot of structured environments some some rebels do like to work in structured environments like the military or the police or things corporate like America do not right right <laughs> right but that's also that can be a questioner thing too because a lot of times there's like so much red tape and these people are making right. crazy Why decisions. Why am I doing, this? Why am I doing no this? Why am I listening? This makes no sense. Right. That's if you get a bunch of questioners, they're like, why does everybody do all this stuff when it makes no sense? Yeah. OK. This makes no sense. All right. Yeah. Busted. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> they're all great. All the tendencies are good. And this might be a hard question for you to answer. Okay. But if you could tell the people that are listening, oh, what is one thing mm. that they could do that's going to change their life? Ah, one thing only. Well, Ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists agree that a key and probably the key to a happy life is strong relationships. Like if we're going to be happy, we have to have close, intimate bonds. We have to be able to confide. We have to be able to get support and just as important to give support. 
and we need to feel like we belong. So I would say, look in your life and think, what can I do to either deepen a relationship or broaden a relationship? So if you wanted to broaden a relationship, you might do something like, I'm going to join a book group, group or start a book group or an audio group or a podcast. Group. Now there's like podcast clubs. Um, or I might look into my past and think like, who's the friend that got away? What's a dormant friendship? The neighbor who moved away, the person that I always really liked, but we never really connected. Somebody I was really close to in the past, but now we've drifted apart. Reconnect with that person. Or to deepen a relationship, like one thing um, in our family, we give warm hellos and goodbyes, which means like every time somebody comes or goes from the apartment, they you really give them a hello and goodbye. You don't just like yell, yell out. Um, and uh, that really deepens your feeling of kind of engagement and uh, and attentiveness um, or something that my mother, father and my sister Alyssa and I do is we do something called update. And so and the idea of update is that when you see people all the time, you have tons to say. When you see them rarely, you have less to say. And so and we realized that was happening to us because we all live so far apart from each other. So in, uh, the, the motto of update is it's OK to be boring. And you literally the title of the email is update. And then we write the most boring mundane things that are going on <laughs> in our lives. Like today I'm going to the dentist. You know, I'm really annoyed because the dry cleaner took the clothes to the wrong place or whatever. It is. You know, the mo my mother's like, I'm getting my hair colored. Um, and it's funny how much you feel so much more in touch with people or like and then I, and I'll include stuff with my children. So then when my parents call, they're like, oh, I heard you went to a really fun birthday party yesterday or whatever it is. They know kind of what's just going on in our lives. So sometimes you can look for little steps that you can take that can actually make a very big difference because they go to things like how much love and affection you have in your life. So to go back. So you're basically saying the one thing you would suggest is strengthen relationships. Yes. Yeah, that's that's, that's yes. the that's the bottom line. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So where could everyone uh, see what you're doing? Listen, uh, buy your books. Yeah. All Tell I, everyone where where to find you. Yes. OK, so I have a website, GretchenRubin.com, where then there's like links and, you, you know, information of all. I have all kinds of resources there, discussion guides and one pagers about how to read better than before, eating better than before, exercising better than before, all kinds of stuff. At GretchenRubin.com. I'm on social media at Gretchen Rubin, um, and I love to engage with people on social media. I have a podcast, too, called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, which where I talk about how to be happier with my sister, Elizabeth. Um, and my books are, you can buy them wherever books are sold. My new book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, which is all about how outer order contributes to inner calm and how to get outer order, um, is coming out in the spring. Excellent. Could you write a book about outer order, fine, inner order needs to get calm. That's that's what I'm going to try to read. Okay. If you write, if you write it, okay. I'll read it. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm writing ahead of okay, that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining me. It was oh, really a pleasure. It was so fun to talk uh, to you. Thanks for having me. It was really fun talking to Gretchen. There's a lot of similarities between me and Gretchen, where we grew up, how we were raised by our families, our current marriage and children, but there's also a lot of differences. She's very strict with her eating, doesn't eat a lot of carbs. And my suggestion, Gretchen, sometimes you got to let your hair down, dance on the table, and maybe have some French bread when you're in Paris. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at JustBobbyBrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. 
This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production. 